It's a mailbag Monday on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Should the Thunder add a veteran? What trades could they possibly make? And of course, we're talking draft all on today's Lockdown Thunder Podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, brought to you by Prize Picks. It's a Mailbag Monday episode. Who are some draft targets? Some free agent targets for OKC. And do they need another veteran? Or should OKC trade for anyone on the market? How will they handle this salary cap that they have bestowed upon them this offseason? Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the code locked on. That's prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning. We're here for you. Talking Thunder Basketball. Subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode. Make sure that you're doing that. Let's dive into your mailbag questions. At Real Travion, who is your favorite option at 12? Grady Dick, Case, uh, Jerry Walker, Kason Wallace, Taylor Hendricks, Leonard Miller, and Azar Thompson are some of uh, my favorite options at 12. Uh, the, the thing is like, like you listed all these names, which is great. I don't know if Grady Dick will be there at 12. I don't think that there's a chance that Walker or Hendricks will be there at 12. However, you can still list them because theoretically, if you did wind up with some of these players, it'd be because you use the 12th pick in a trade, not necessarily to get those players back, but players who I think can legit be there at 12. Um, Leonard Miller, I think will for sure be there at 12, like without question, uh, Kaysan Wallace, I've heard that that from one scout, there's no way he's going to be past 10 or even at 10 even. So take that for what it's worth, but but that's just like a slight bit of intel. He could be there at 12, uh, assuredly, if you look at the other mock drafts and everything, but there's a, a, per, a really high chance he's not there uh, past 10. So Kaysan Wallace is a quick riser as well. Leonard Miller is like the name that you can say without couching, oh, if he's there, what if he doesn't fall? Uh, Azar Thompson, I will say, another mixed mixed bag. I told you Monday that he was falling, and in Mavs Draft's first mock draft, which was based on a lot of intel that he heard in Chicago, uh, Azar Thompson did fall to pick 12 to Oklahoma City. So maybe brush up on your OTE highlights just in case that he does fall on draft night. Again, would I bet on that to happen at, at our good friends over at FanDuel? No, but... It is a chance, and there has been some rumblings um, of him falling. So just be aware. Be aware of your surroundings and and what's happening with the draft. But uh, at 12, I did my Leonard Miller profile on Friday. Go back and uh, listen to that if you have not already. I really like the idea of Leonard Miller. I like the idea of Kaysan Wallace as well. Uh, and we'll continue to do these draft profiles and talk about if they're, if they'd fall to 12, what their pathway to falling to 12 is, um, and kind of 
where the Thunder would need to be to get these guys. That's why we do that segment on the draft profiles of where they're ranked at, just so we can get an idea of where these prospects are ranked. Uh, I would say Grady Dick does have a shot to fall to 12, but Grady Dick is another guy that's really hard to judge. Like I, I've seen him in, in some places be linked as high as six and in some places be linked as low as 12, 13, 14. So it, it's tough to get a gauge on Grady Dick and what his range is. I think that the Thunder are in the sweet spot for Grady Dick. Like if, if Grady Dick just so happens to be their guy and you know that I'm a big Grady Dick guy, I would, I would lean towards him being surely available at 10 and 10 is only two spots away. And then if he gets past 10, of course, uh, at 11 with Orlando makes a lot of sense because that they need some shooting help in Orlando. But it's interesting to see where he'd land at. Uh, you also asked uh, Drew Timmy reuniting with Chet Holmgren. Uh, many people actually asked this. Uh, my guy Dominique did as well. Look, Drew Timmy was awesome in college, and it, it'd be a fun storyline, and I'm all about stories as a content creator. But as a talent evaluator that I try to, like, to kind of watch these guys objectively without thinking of the storylines... Drew Timmy's just not a very good player, and I don't think that he would make a substantial impact in the NBA. I think that the best you're looking at would be draft him at pick 50, put him on two-way deal, and see if he can become a, a two-way diamond in the rough. And ultimately, I would bet that he goes undrafted. Like, I bet by the time you get through the entire draft order, um, you, you you factor in both the players that, that we know from the college ranks, from G League Ignite, and from OTE, and then from overseas, that... There's just not enough spots for Drew Timmy, even though uh, you know he seems like a great guy and he did perform really well in college. I just don't think that he has any certain skill or reason, uh, you know, trait to be in the NBA. But it would be fun to reunite him and Chet, and it would be fun to have him on a two-way deal. Uh, I would love to watch him with the blue a ton uh, and then see those spot minutes where he gets to play maybe with Chet in the NBA. That'd be a full circle moment. But I'm just not in on Drew Timmy, even though I do uh, like the idea of pairing him back with Chet. Um, does OKC use all three of these picks? I, I think that they'll walk away with three prospects because if you stay at pick 50, that player is taking a two-way deal. And you have three two-way deals now, so you might as well get one that you really, really like and draft one at 50 um, and, and make sure that you kind of get them on your roster. Pick 37 would be a standard contract. Guys don't typically start taking two-way deals to the 40s. Maybe you can reach for a player, a quote-unquote reach for a player, and convince them to do a two-way deal because you have you have a track record of, of taking care of your players. This is where reputation matters, right? You pick it at 37. It's not that far away from the range where guys start to take two-way deals, even though it's typically unheard of for a pick in the 30s to be on a two-way deal. Maybe you can convince the representation, look, this is just mechanically, we need you on a two-way deal right now to figure out who to let go of in a, in a few months. Then, like we've done with all these other guys, we'll convert you to a standard deal. Uh, but I don't think that many agents would go for that, even at pick 37 specifically. So let's just bank on the idea that that goes the traditional route of a standard deal. Obviously, your first-round pick has to be on a standard deal. That brings you to only having to make one move. As long as you don't re-sign Sarge, you'd only have to make one additional roster move, and you get three prospects in here to try to cycle through and see who can who can hit, who can stick. So I'd imagine that the Thunder will do that and will bring in three prospects. Now, it also could look a bit different, right? It could look like pick 50 plus pick 12 or higher, plus you buy back into the first round um, and have a, have a first-round pick instead of pick 37. I'm not going to say that they're going to pick these three exact slots, but I would bet that they come away with three prospects uh, if, if, if we were going to do it that way. So those were all great questions from Real uh, Travion. The next question comes from at Swanson27A. Is Trey Mann fixable? He's fun to watch, and I like him, but I'm afraid that he'll be traded before um, he gets things turned around. 
Yeah, that's the that's the cold reality of the business, right? And and that's what Mark and Sam has been preparing the players for, been preparing preparing the media for, the fan base for. They've they've been really open with we want this roster full of 17 competitive guys that aren't all going to make it. They're all going to want to make it. They're all going to want to be here on the other side of this rebuild, but they're not all going to get there. They're not all going to get to that other side. So the ones that do get there, you know, going to really appreciate it. Gonna really, you know, you have earned it, blah, blah, blah. So Trey Mann, I love Trey Mann. I love his attitude. Uh, I think that he's a, a, a great guy. And also he has taken everything in stride with his minutes fluctuation with being sent to the G League. He's taken that very seriously and has improved upon um, each assignment to the G League, which is, you know, not the easiest thing in the world for a, a once prized prospect that was drafted in the first round. Like we can admit that that kind of could be an ego bruiser, but instead Trey Mann took it in stride and, and, and was able to make the best of the situation. And he understands, hey, underperform this year. I'm better than I showed this year. And he's he's kind of, it appears based upon his exit interview that we, we were at a few weeks ago that he is taking this all in stride to get better and to just continue to work. Uh, I think it is fixable. I, I think that the majority of the time he's making the right decisions. The ball is just not going in the hoop, which is is a double-edged sword because if you're making all the right decisions and the ball's not going in the hoop, is that bad luck over the course of a full season? Or is that just, you know, you, you can't get it going, you can't get it done at the NBA level, I think he can play at the NBA level. Uh, I think that the expectation of him should just be a bench score and he can find a really good home somewhere, even if it's in Oklahoma City. If I had to guess Trey Mann's future outlook, it would be, you know, he's in Oklahoma City this coming year and he either booms or he looks like he did last year and he's, it's time for just a change of scenery for each side uh, at that point. But I think it is fixable just in general. Uh, and you're right, it could be after he's traded or after he signs with a new team um, down the line. The Thunder will have to make a decision on, on El Rasha's spot if they bring in three uh, picks this year, and that's without even touching free agency or trades or anything else. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do um, come roster movement, come the draft, and, and, and everything else that they have going on. Coming up, we'll talk about Usman Jang. We'll talk about the Thunder's picks this summer, what they're going to do with them both in the trade route and in the draft and so much more. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Price Picks. Price Picks is awesome, and it's where you want to be. Price Picks is there for you to make these games so much fun. Go to pricepicks.com or the Price Picks app, download it today, and use the code Locked On. When you do, you're going to get 100% deposit match up to $100. What Price Picks is is daily um, fantasy to make these games fun and, and enjoyable, but it's just you versus their projected numbers. You look at these games, right? So coming up tonight, you're going to see the Lakers and Nuggets play. And you just say, look, will, will LeBron get more or less than 22.5 points? Will Jokic get more or less than 9.5 assists? And you, you, you guess whichever side that you want to. If you're right, you can win 25 times your money on any entry. You pick two to six players. It's that easy uh, and that awesome. So go check it out today by going to prizepicks.com, promo code uh, locked on. Get 100% deposit match up to $100. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for joining us on today's show. Uh, we're talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder, and all of your mailbag questions. Subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast from for free, including on YouTube, to make sure you do not miss an episode. Tomorrow, we're going to have our Kaysan Wallace draft profile, who, again, I've heard that he, he will be in the top 10 this year. Uh, we'll see if that actually comes true. 
come draft night, but we'll talk about him tomorrow. Uh, we're also going to talk with Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter uh, sometime this week to talk about his experience in Chicago at the NBA Draft Combine, who are the risers and fallers at the Combine, and then we'll continue on with our draft profiles throughout the week as well. So, case on all tomorrow, who do you want to hear from past that this week? On the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, drop that below in the comment section or on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Uh, at Peanut Butter, uh, hopes for Usman Jang next year. We did trade three first-round picks for him after all. I would say, firstly, about the three first-round picks. A lot of those picks were fake first, um, and, and even if they do convey, the Thunder have a plan for Usman Jang, and his plan was not in any way supposed to be a guy like Jalen Williams' plan. They, 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 are, they are in two totally different areas of their basketball life, even though they were picked just one pick apart. So the only common denominator between Usman Jang and Jalen Williams is the fact that they were picked one pick apart. Jalen Williams is 22 years old. Usman Jang is 20 years old and spent uh, the majority of this season uh, as a 19-year-old. I, I, I think that with Usman Jang, you are, you are looking at a guy that just turned 20 today you know, as, as I'm recording this, just for 2020 today, and was extremely raw, was was always supposed to be a, a project player who needed some time to develop and, and nurture his raw skills, and a, and a player that the Thunder had zeroed in on since he was 16 years old and circled him as a guy that they really like and really wanted to be in Oklahoma City. When you factor all of that in, he's on schedule. Like he got better day in and day out this year, had to deal with that injury, uh, to his wrist, both in summer league and then another injury that was unrelated to summer league uh, in season to his wrist while he was playing some really good basketball, by the way, at the time of that uh, second wrist injury. I think ultimately, if you didn't have the comparison factor of like, whoa, well, this late lottery pick was an all rookie team member and made a late push for rookie of the year and was runner up for the award. If you didn't have that comparison factor, I would think that we look at Usman Jang a lot differently than what we look at him as um, right now. Uh, Usman was great for what he was supposed to be. He, he was awesome um, as a as a player in the G League, and he really got better in the G League game to game. There were times where he was floating around, but there were more times than not where he was looking like the player you drafted in the lottery. And the NBA, he showed signs of that with his great defense that did translate right away in the NBA, had that play where he just takes the ball away from Steph Curry, which you can um, find on every uh, clip of Usman Chang um, out there. I think that there's a little bit of you know, too much pressure on Usman Chang. He's, he's on track. He hasn't fallen behind. Uh, I, I think that the sentiment is he's fallen behind. I don't think that he has truly um, fallen behind. At Sportsman, will OKC use a lot of their picks this summer to go get a superstar? Uh, no. The sense that I get is that the Thunder, and the right thing to do also, but also the sense that I get the Thunder are very confident in their ability to grow together and, and grow this core. I would not expect them to go make some trade for a superstar uh, this summer. Sam Presti has surprised us all before, um, but I would imagine they're going to they're going to keep on um, they're going to keep on growing internally um, and, and and developing for now. And I and I think that that's not a bad thing. I don't think that them not going to trade for a superstar this year would be kicking the can down the road or a failure or anything. The Thunder are in a unique circumstance where they won forty games last year. They weren't supposed to. That's great. You do not want to make a move like this before you have all the information. And right now, you don't have all the information. What's Usman Jang going to be, which we just talked about, 
Chet Holmgren is coming back from injury. You've never seen him play in the NBA, much less a full season in the NBA. We don't even know what Chet Holmgren's going to need next to him. What's going to complement him extremely well. Like this team is not yet flushed out to the point where they're a superstar away. It feels that way. And if you go on 2K right now and load up a franchise mode, you can go trade for a superstar and win a championship in 2K for sure. The issue is that stuff doesn't work in practice. It works in, you know, virtual reality. It doesn't work in reality. If you went and traded all these first round picks for this superstar, it changes your cap space. It changes your ability um, or more hamstrings. You're less flexible in that way. And, these future first-round picks are not just ways to go get a superstar. It's also ways to keep your roster at a cost control whenever you pay the the core. When you pay the core, you're going to need cost control players on these first-round picks to help you flush out a roster so you're not hamstrung by paying your better players as their contracts come up, which is going to be before you know it. The windows are never as big as you think they are in any sport. So I don't think that they're going to go all in and push for a superstar this offseason. I don't think that it would make um, a ton of sense to do that. I I wouldn't make a move like that until you see what Chet Holmgren is. And I'm not somebody who thinks that they should never make a move like that. I I think that there's going to be a time and place where I will call for them to make a move like this. It's not this summer, though. you got to give Chet at least one year. Because the worst thing you can do is look like Minnesota. The worst thing you can do is go all in because you got a little bit of success and then you get a player that does not fit with Chet Holmgren at all, which is the hardest thing to do pairing a center with somebody. And it crowds the, 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 it crowds the pain. It crowds, you know, the the offensive flow that hurts and hinders SGA that hurts and impacts the rest of the team. Like that pairing, that five and four pairing has to be perfect in Oklahoma city, especially as you have a superstar who dominates in the mid range and dominates at the rim. So I, I do not think that this is the right move until we see what Chet can do as an NBA player. He shot 40% from three in college. He's going to be a floor spacer. He's going to be a center. We know all that in, in, in the idea of what that all should look like, but we don't know in actuality what he needs. Uh, at 150, Guacamole, if you had to make two trades using the 12th pick and future first-round picks, what would they be? So let's start with the first trade. The first trade I would make is I would try to use 12 in the Jazz pick next year. That's top 10 protected. I'd give 12 and the Jazz their pick back for nine. I'd go up to nine. At nine, you're for sure going to get one of the guys that you love. You know, and, and this is this is thrusting upon love to the Thunder because this would be me being in the, in the GM chair. I love, for the Thunder, Taylor Hendricks and Grady Dick and Jerese Walker. I don't think that Walker will be there at nine at all, but I think that Taylor Hendricks and or Grady Dick will be there at nine. And so... With that being said, I would move up to nine to make sure I get one of those guys that I think would fit seamlessly in Oklahoma City. I've already done draft profile on all three of those names, so you can go back and listen to those and why I think that they fit with OKC, but I do that first trade. Pick 12, plus the Jazz pick next year for pick nine. The Jazz move back a little bit in this year's draft class, but gain the flexibility of next year not having the pressure upon, hey, we really got to be in that top 10 or else we lose our first round pick, and it kind of hurts the rebuild a tad. So... They gain the flexibility of if thing if they do not shock the world again this this season, which even as they shocked the world, they had to pack it up and finish uh, with a ninth pick. Uh, and, and lottery balls could have suggested they went backwards uh, if you lead up to the lottery system. Uh, you get that flexibility back of having your own pick, which you can then just fully bottom out if you need to and, and try to get 
one of the, the better talents in next year's draft class, which is, a week, which is a weak draft class. It's a weak one, but it's still some top talent in there, I think, for next year, like uh, Cody Williams, for example, who all of you are familiar with uh, being Jada's uh, brother. So that's what I would do with the first trade. Second trade, I love this draft class, so I would just buy back into the first round uh, using maybe pick 37 plus a future first-round pick. I'd buy back into the first round to a team that, that needs to move out of the first round, whether it be for salary cap reasons or roster spot reasons, whatever the reasons are, I would move up to the first round and get another talent in the first round of this draft class. I think that this draft class is really, really good, um, and, and it has a lot of, of gems in it late, later on in the first round as well. So that's what I would do if I was in the GM chair. At 150 guacamole, we just answered that question. Sorry. At call me glop 35. What is the best Shea outfit this season? I don't know if this is cheating because it technically wasn't like in season or like at, a, at an NBA or thunder related event, but his Met Gala fit was incredible. Uh, at, I used to be cool 69. Nice. What is keeping Mitchich from coming over to the thunder now that they're a playoff team? Is there any chance he can be included in a trade to move up in the draft? Uh, folks, he's 29 years old. He is 29 years old. I believe he was you know, was injured a little bit this year. Uh, it was someone correct me if I'm wrong on that. He's shown no true signs of wanting to come over. He's used it mainly as a leverage play. To put it in like Oklahoma terms, it's kind of like Mike Gundy always saying, well, I'm going to take the Tennessee job just to get a pay raise at OSU. Uh, I, I don't think that he's serious about the NBA. Uh, and, and why would he be? I don't think that any team would give him a starting role, especially not the Thunder. And I don't think that he's into coming off the bench at the NBA level. And he's 29. You, you would rather just kind of keep what you have going right here than Mitch's, I think. I think Mitch's is a great player, but I think that, him, that, that he values playing um, overseas more than playing in the NBA. Who knows? Maybe this is the summer that actually happens, but quite honestly, it's fatiguing to always be talking about Mitchich whenever nothing ever happens with Mitchich. It's like the boy who cried wolf. But technically, yeah, they could trade his draft rights uh, if a team just thinks that he'd come over for them and not for OKC. Uh, at Brandon, what do you think uh, this roster looks like come this time, uh, come come next year? So opening day next year, not this time next year. Yeah, I, I would say that the roster looks exactly like it does right now. Only you add three prospects, one of them on a two-way deal, one of them in the spot that that Saric left behind, because I don't think that they'll resign him as of this moment. Uh, that's just me guessing, by the way. And then the the way you get the third prospect on the on the standard deal, you know, second prospect on the standard deal would be Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I like Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I really do. Um, I like him. Whenever we've talked, I like him as a player. I think he has a lot of potential, but he's a bit redundant. And I said that. A year ago on draft night, whenever they drafted Jay Will, look, this is a move that that is redundant and that puts internal competition on your bigs. And Jay Will won that competition, and so I think that JRE uh, would be the odd man out here to make room. However, another option would be Lindy Waters, who's on a club option that you can just decline, and it is it makes kind of for a better, it makes for a kind of a better salary wave, if you will, or an easier salary transaction. So I'd actually lean Lindy Waters to just kind of decline that that club option, which is what you did to Eugene too, only Lindy got to finish the season out in OKC. Uh, so I think that, that, that that's kind of going to be how it all comes to flourish in there. Coming up, we'll talk about, could the Thunder bring back Eugene or any of this, these other players on a two-way deal that were left behind, plus the draft. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. You everydayers can expect a Kason Wallace draft profile tomorrow. So subscribe, subscribe, subscribe anywhere you use your podcast from. Uh, at 
Hughesling, Ryan, can the Thunder bring back any of their recent players that left on a two-way deal, specifically Ty Jerome, Eugenio Marui, uh, that, uh, Vete Critchy? So Ty Jerome, no. He has four years played in the NBA, which I believe makes him ineligible for a two-way deal. Uh, Eugene and Vit, sure. And I think that Eugene would make some sense because the team just really loved being around Eugene. And Eugene obviously loved being around the team. And there's now three two-way deals. And if he doesn't have anything you know, better out there, which I hope he does, but if he doesn't have anything better out there contractually, bring him back on a two-way deal. That'd make a lot of sense um, for each side. He was he was very valuable in spot minutes and also very good for the Blues. So I'd love it. I'd love Eugene back. Uh, but yes, they technically could uh, bring them back. Now, at Hughesling Ryan also, it sounds like uh, Jalen Williams and Brandon Pazimski are friends. Do you think the Thunder could trade back into the first round to add him? Uh, yes, they are friends, and they do talk a lot. And J-Dub has been talking a lot this season about uh, uh, Pazimski becoming a, becoming a riser in the draft, and he has become a riser in the draft. Uh, I've heard that he'll be in the in the mid-20s at worst in this draft. So sounds like he's gotten good feedback on being a first-round pick this year, which is great. Uh, and yeah, I think that... that I love his playmaking. I love his shot making from beyond the arc. And I think he's a much better athlete than what people think he is. So I'd love the Thunder to get back in the first and get uh, Podzemski if they're able to. We'll see if that actually happens in, on draft night. Uh, at GagaFan93, do you think Gritty Dick is there at 12? Uh, I, I would bet no, but it's not like a firm no, as you can tell. Like Drees Walker, firm no. He's not going to be there at 12. Greedy Dick just has too many places where he would fit to say it's a hard no. Yes, Dallas is more than likely going to trade that draft pick at 10. So it won't be the Mavericks drafting at 10. But whoever fills the hole at 10 is going to need a shooter like Greedy Dick, who's one of the best in the draft class. So like th- that 10 slot is still an option. I think that Orlando would, would heavily benefit from a shooter in this draft and Grady Dick, in my opinion, is the best shooter in the draft. So at 11, that makes a ton of sense. And then there's always the, the random draft day surprises, which takes care of many of the um, picks ahead of 10 and 11. So uh, there's, there's a shot. He's there at 12 for sure. But I, I think that there's also some, some reasons to believe he will not be there at 12, but he's kind of right in that range of pick 12, which is why I really, really like him for OKC. I've done a draft profile on him. If you're interested to go back and listen to uh, let's talk with at a wallet four, six, two, uh, will the thunder take on expiring contracts such as Tobias Harris to get more assets? I, I would not rule this out. I think that the thunder still need assets. Uh, again, people think that you can have too many first round picks. You can't, especially as the new CBA rules penalize teams, um, for signing these big contracts with their own players. So they're going to be hamstrung and they're going to need to get cost controlled talent. And also, the Thunder have a bunch of cap, have a bunch of cap room. And Sam Presti is not one to allow resources to go to waste. And so when you look at the Thunder, who have the fourth in the league in cap space at at 32.2 million, according to Keith Smith, NBA, uh, of Spotrack, they're going to use that in some way. Now, it won't be to acquire a superstar. It won't be to go break the bank and go sign a big free agent. But I think that they'll use it in this way. Like they take on a, a salary, they get a first round pick or something for it, and then boom. You either you either just let the guy sit at home, you wave him, or you bring him in. Who cares? Like, but the bottom line is you got another asset for that asset of salary cap. Uh, any news on the new arena plan? Nope. Uh, asked Sam, uh, uh, Clemente Almanza, I believe it was, asked Sam Presti about the new arena, and he didn't say anything. 
Uh, Mayor Holt, I'm sure we'll have another, I don't know if they're called press conferences in the political sphere, but press conference uh, or keynote or whatever it's called this summer, as he did last summer. I believe it's the annual thing. And I'm sure we'll talk about it there. Um, At Clemente uh, uh, Ekofu, Zach Eady or Drew Timmy? So I've I've bashed Drew Timmy accidentally enough in the earlier segment. I don't think that he has like an NBA trait. I do think, however, of the two, like if you told me the Thunder are going to take one of these two at, at pick 50, they're going to do it, but they'll take your input on which one to, do, on which one to pick. I would tell them to pick Zach Eady. Um, not because I believe he's going to be some starter or like even a rotational player, but because he at least provides you something. I think he's a little bit more mobile than he gets credit for. He at least provides you something that could be used in a pinch. Like Boban is not an NBA rotational player, but Rick Carlisle and the Mavericks used Boban to throw off the Clippers in a playoff series because it's a weird matchup. So Zach Eady can at least give you some weird matchup time. And we know the Thunder have a head coach on the sidelines who can capitalize on weird matchups. So uh, I, w- I would kind of side with Zach Eady there uh, of the two, but I don't think that either one of them will particularly be impactful um, at the NBA level. At John SA uh, 1962, uh, do the Thunder need more vets like Kenneth Williams, for example? Well, it's tough to say. And this topic is a little bit weird whenever you're not like in the locker room day in and day out. But we know from, from stories that Mark and players have said of like, Kendrick Williams grabs him by the shirt collar and lines him out, okay? The thing is, we forget Kendrick Williams was a throw-in to the Stephen Adams trade, like a literal throw-in who was on a non-guaranteed deal who everyone projected would be cut by OKC. But yet he is somebody who became a leader of this team and showed the guys what to do and how to play and, and, and how to play hard and, and brought that intensity. So it's not necessarily about what your status is in the league or, or how many years you've been in the league or uh, who you've been around and played with in the league. You know, either you have it or you don't. Either you have that, that, that ability to be a leader or you don't. And Kenneth Williams could have just been quiet and shy and happy to be there that he kind of survived through um, the the whole throw-in piece of this trade. Um, but he didn't. He, he, he was a vocal guy that helped the team. And that's a skill set that Kendrick Williams has. And if you would have, I said that to say this, on the day that they traded Stephen Adams to New Orleans and he was a throw-in to that deal, nobody would have said, ah, the Thunder got that vet. They got that vet in Kenny Hustle to set the example. But he, in turn, was a vet in that trade. So I don't think you need to go out there and get a grizzled vet to, to lead the team where like, we know that's what his role is. It just happens naturally to me. And I think that at this point, even though they're still young in our eyes, because we've watched them grow at this point, SGA has been around the block and around a lot of good players and a lot of great players. And he will embrace the fact that he's an all NBA player, a superstar max player, and somebody that these guys look up to. He's going to be a leader. I think that Josh Giddy has a lot of those leader tendencies. Also, I think that Jalen Williams is a, is a great has a great chance here to bridge the gap of like, Hey, I'm still cool. I'm still young. I still go on social media and like, I know what all you young rookies are into, but at this juncture in the game or at this juncture in the season, we need to do this or that or or this. And that kind of bridge the gap between um, the roster. Like I think that all these guys bring some sort of veteran presence where you don't need to go out there and get someone because you just need a veteran. I think that the veteran stuff is a bit overstated, in terms of like playing experience, because the guy we point to as the veteran, this team 
had little to no playing experience in the NBA and was undrafted and was someone who, uh, you know, just kind of hung around and was a throw into that deal. Now, obviously, the Thunder did not view him as a throw-in because they kept him around, and not only that, they developed him, and not only that, uh, even after only seeing him play in New Orleans for uh, 85 games through two years, uh, they developed him and, and held on to him even as they had offers um, that were very enticing at the trade deadline a couple of times, and they held on to him through that, and he, Kenneth Williams, wants to be here by everything I've been told. Kenneth Williams loves being in Oklahoma City. He said it publicly. He said it privately. It's not an act. Like he loves being here and loves being in this location, in this team, in this environment. So, like, that's great. But, again, on the day that they traded for Kenny Hustle, nobody said, oh, that's the veteran. So, I don't think that the Thunder need to make a move where we go, oh, that's the veteran. Right? They just need to make a move that's good for basketball. And if they just so happen to be somebody who brings leadership and stuff, that's great, too. That's great, too. But I think everything should be focused on improving the basketball team um, for the Thunder right now. Let me know if you have any more questions down below on YouTube and on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Um, and until tomorrow, whenever we do our Case on Wallace draft profile and projection, be good and be good to one another.